You're listening to the Union Church Podcast. For more information about Union, please visit unionboston.org. Amen. Beloved, we live in a forgetful world. And to be clear, I'm not talking about the type of forgetfulness when you can't remember where you left your keys or can't find your glasses when they're right atop of your head. No, I'm talking about living in a world with intentional amnesia that intentionally and actively forgets. While this forgetfulness is not some type of conspiracy coordinated by the man uh, that seeks to keep us down, It is, I submit to you, a culture that if we're not careful, it will consume us, right? Although there's no devil over in the corner or or one sitting on our shoulders whispering in our ears, there is something demonic about this culture of which I speak, right? It's a type of mob mentality and mass think that slowly and seductively causes us to wonder sometimes to wonder sometimes even about our own worth. Right, it gets institutionalized in structural systems that perpetuate a privileging of some at the expense of others. It gets manifest in in things we term racism and ableism and sexism and classism and ageism. And of course in xenophobia, that fear of and hatred of the other that, 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 that leads to children being caged at our borders and the closing of borders for people from particular countries when fear rises about coronavirus, which is built on right a, a, a process, a, 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 a constant assault that, that targets entire swaths of people like Muslims and bans them when we get scared of that which we don't fully understand. Fundamentally, I submit to you that these uh, isms and phobias are all connected uh, to the same fount of oppression that denies the simple fact that uh, we share a common humanity lived in a diversity of experience that in fact, right, uh, 99.9% of the DNA, the, the, the building blocks that make us up, that comprise our bodies and voices and intellect, right, all of these isms and phobias are, 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 are rooted in the same fount of oppression that denies the fact that 99.9% of the DNA of all humans across all places, across all time, are actually the same. Right, and all the difference that we experience in the world over all these millennia, over all these millions of miles, in the grand scheme of things, actually only emerges from a very small site of variety. 0.1%, in fact. So in the context of this collective, cultural, structural, institutionalized amnesia, it's all too easy for us individually then to forget. Uh, To forget who you are and whose you are. 
right? When housing costs are rising and medical bills are soaring and there's unemployment and underemployment, uh, when one ages and, and because one isn't able to produce as much as uh, you used to when you were working uh, and, and you experience a sense of forgetfulness because people don't see the work that you do anymore. Uh, when, when bills are longer than the length of your paycheck uh, and, you're, and the debt is growing and, and you're struggling with a broken heart and loneliness because maybe you lost a partner or a parent or a friend uh, and, and you just sometimes just can't figure your way out of the grief. Right, when you're experiencing these things on a personal level in the context of this culture of, of, of phobias and isms, uh, it, it, we might be caused to disremember, to forget. Right, because life is hard and challenging. And when life is difficult, in this context, it's easy to forget the primary text that God seeks to write upon our bodies. It's written in our souls, that primary text that we all, each and every one of us, everyone in this place, under the sound of my voice, even if you can't hear it in your heart, you are loved into freedom. Yes. Yes. So, so today, right, it's Groundhog Day. And today we remember the movie of the same name about 25 years ago, which is actually a film about forgetfulness. Right, you remember 25 years ago, Bill Murray, uh, he's that, that weatherman named Phil, uh, and he keeps waking up, experiencing the same day over and over and over again. Right, life for him, because of his circumstances, is experienced as a broken record. Uh, over, and oh, it's caught in a cycle. Every tomorrow is just like today, and every today is just like yesterday. And his, his life is full of a mess, and it just seems like he's just in it, and he can't get out. The world is overwhelming, even to the point where he questions whether life is worth living at all. What's the point, he asks, which it might be, right, uh, for us uh, in, in this day and age, right, sometimes we experience, uh, what's the point when, when it feels like, as a student, uh, your, your abilities uh, don't match up to your peers, Right, or, or we live in, a, in such a way that we fear rejection uh, and, and, and we wonder, hoping, longing, if we're ever gonna find true love. We look ourselves in the mirror sometimes and are not completely happy with our body weight or, uh, or with our image or what the world has told us about how we're supposed to show up in the world. Right, and you're looking for a way out but all we feel is trapped in the same cycle over and over again. Right, so in this movie, Groundhog Day, a movie, the plot advances and, and, and Phil has a chance encounter while on assignment in, of course, Puxatawney, uh, Pennsylvania, while he's on assignment, he's in a bowling alley, sitting at a bar, right, and he's been caught in this cycle over and over again, and it's a movie, and he gets that breakthrough that he yearned for, right, that, that allows him, that breakthrough he gets allows him to break out of the cycle that he found himself in. He figures out that, that some things he was unable to change, yes, but there are some things that he could. 
his perspective, how he showed up, what he learned from this, this repetition of, of things over and over again. So the pain that he experienced yesterday might be the foundation of the possibility of joy on this day. Right, so he figures this out. Uh, amidst all these rents and repeat cycles, he was able to free himself to be himself, which allowed him to see himself for who he is, complicated and broken and still loved. Okay, so, so right, life is not a movie. I get that, and, and, and we're not movie stars. I get that too, but, but here's my point. Uh, we do have the power to script our own narrative. Yes. We do have a capacity to change what is written about us, even sometimes written upon our bodies. Right? We repeat sometimes that same day, that same experience when we don't remember. We get trapped in cycles of negativity when we stop the active work of piecing our own story together. Because despite what the, the world forgets about you or fails to see about you, there's something that's inside of you, that's part of you. It's the Spirit of God working in you, and it's the Spirit of God working in you that makes you resilient. Yes. That makes you resilient. And resilience, beloved of God, is a radical act of love. It's a radical act of remembering who you are. whose you are, and it's that act of remembrance that we experience today on this first Sunday at table at communion, it's that act of remembrance that gives us sustenance to keep being resilient on the process of loving ourselves into freedom. So today, we begin uh, a three-part Black History Month sermon series that focuses on resilience by looking at uh, one of our major scripts of the faith. Scriptures, particularly from Matthew, the fifth chapter, and it's Jesus's sermon on the mount. We'll look at it over the next couple of weeks. Today we'll take verses 1 through 10 as a way of thinking about resilience. And, and, and what I'm trying to say, right, is resilience is just a fancy way of saying that we have the capacity to bounce back. Right? When we get knocked down, we can get up. It's just a fancy way of saying that there's something inside of us that enables us, empowers us, compels us to persevere through our problems. Right? And resilience... I submit to you, it is a practice, and, it, and you get better at it by doing it. Yeah. Right? Resilience is not just something that you are born with, like being a, a, a great musician or a genius in math, but rather, it's, it's not something that you either have or you don't, but it's something that you build yeah. and you develop and you nurture and you construct. And resilience is practiced by going to sacred places that allow us to piece ourselves back together. Yes. Right, a sacred place like this place called Union is a location in time and space. And soon to be Dr. Will, I, I, I have in my mind today uh, uh, Dr. Jacqueline Nassie Brown's uh, text about, um, it's called Dropping Anchor, Setting Sail. 
geographies of race in black Liverpool in England. And, and, and in that text, Jacqueline helps us to understand that, that place is, is deeper, right? It's, it's more than just a physical spot. It's more than just bricks and mortar, but rather it's this intersection of both space and time. And, and, and when, where this, at this intersection of time and space, we make meaning and then call it place. Yeah. Right? This place called union. So something happens when in this moment in history, we are here on, on February the 2nd of 2020, right? And that, what is that? The palindrome or whatever is the same forward and backwards. But like, so in this moment, right? In this particular moment in history, we are here and we are alive. In this place surrounded by people who love us. And in this process, we make meaning. And we build resilience, the muscle, in order for us to push through circumstances that continue to try to knock us down and hold us down. Right, so, so sacred place, that, that, that intersection of time and space, it comes to us uh, in, in, in this Sermon on the Mount. And we heard it again uh, in that scripture from Beloved, right? right? So on the Mount, something happens. You're, it's a location that is high, that almost touches heaven in the biblical understanding. And it's, it's, it's when you go up to the mountain, as Jesus did at a particular time, to rest, uh, to teach, uh, to get close, to be surrounded, to commune with God, when he was on the mountain, in that time, for a particular time, at that place, something happens and meaning is made. And meaning is made. In that clearing, when baby Suggs offers that sermon, right, outside of the gaze of the slave master, Right, that always controlled one's time. Slavery being defined as a control of one's time. They went to a space outside of the control of time and there in those hush arbors made meaning of a life that had been dehumanized. And Baby Silks preaches and reminds us, no matter what holds us, and chains us, and prisons us, yes. you are more than those circumstances. Yeah. Right. Resilience being that act of knowing who you are yeah. in the midst of circumstances that try to deny who you are. Yeah. That Sermon on the Mount that clearing sermon, Morrison, that ancestor, that tells us about an ancestor, yes. people who have transitioned across that river but still speak to us, reminds me of an ancestor of my own that invited me to read, and to study that sermon on the mount make it a place of meaning. Reverend Vernon Bigler, an older white man who was an interim pastor of uh, my church, home church in Buffalo, New York. And uh, right, this, this, this scrappy black church assigned an interim white pastor, the intersections of so many worlds. Yeah, y'all see, you can't see it, but get, go on Facebook. <laughs> uh, Reverend Vernon Bigler is, is there. And uh, 
I was able to serve as an altar boy under uh, his leadership during his interim minister, ministry, and uh, there nurtured a, a sense of, of meaning, of purpose in the context of church. I'm grateful he was the one who confirmed me, and, and he gave me this, uh, this red leather Bible uh, that uh, had the red leather print, a red letter print of Jesus' words, and he said, uh, Jay, he wrote it on the front cover. I don't know where that Bible is, but I still remember something in my spirit. He said, he said that the, the, the Beatitudes in particular from the Sermon on the Mount, write them upon the tablets of your heart yes. and remember them. Amen. Remember them. Don't forget. Every morning in my prayer time, my devotional time, I, I, I recite those Beatitudes that he implored me to, to write on the tablets of my heart, blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are mourn and who grieve, for you will receive comfort. Blessed are the meek, for you will inherit the earth. Blessed are you who hunger and who thirst for righteousness, for justice, or even though you might be hungry now, you will be filled. Yes. Blessed are the merciful, yes. for you shall receive mercy. Yes. Blessed are the pure in heart, yes. who yearn, who seek, for they shall see God. Yes. Blessed are you who work for peace, for you will be called children God. Yes. This one helps me from time to time. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, yeah, yeah. for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Blessed are you when people speak ill of you. Yes. In the name of Jesus, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. For great is your reward in heaven. Just as they persecuted the prophets, so will they also persecute you. Seems to me, beloved, that the Beatitudes, it is simply a message of resilience to remind us, to help us to remember that we are blessed and holy and whole even when we're broken. Money not, might not be right, right? The body might be giving up and you feel trapped that you can't do the things that you used to do, right? Somebody said amen. amen. But the Beatitudes, it is a message of resilience that reminds us of our primary identity in a world that would have us forget and to trap us in those repeating, self-defeating cycles, right? The Beatitudes, there's eight of them, one for every day of the week plus one. You get a bonus, right? Because every day we're beat down and, and almost to the point of being broken and tested and tried. Uh, so we pray these Beatitudes, we commit them uh, to our hearts, and we practice them in a way that has flesh. It has bones. 
Right? That's why we turn to Morrison's holy text, Beloved. And I love that part, right? Uh, she did not tell them to clean up their lives or go and sin no more. She did not tell them uh, that they were blessed of the earth, inheriting meekness. Right, right. That what we're talking about here in the Beatitudes, in the richness, she said, she said that, that, they, they only, that they, only the grace they could have was the grace that they could imagine. Right? So this is not some spiritual abstraction when we talk about blessedness. It's not some distant spiritual thing about a God who's off in heaven sitting on a cloud, but rather it is grounded in our everyday real lives, lives with bodies. So our blessedness is real, and it has flesh and bones, and we can feel it, and we come to this place called union to remind ourselves when so many others want to spiritualize it. So the question, as I take my seat, uh, right, the question that we have to ask are where are the places beyond union that you go to practice resilience and to restore your spirit? Where do you go in your mind's eye and in reading and in studying and creating art? Where are the places that you go that restore and refresh your soul? We'll continue to, to look at that uh, as we, next week, next Sunday, we'll go a little bit farther in the sermon, into the Sermon on the Mount and we'll focus on sodium when Jesus teaches us that we are the salt of the earth. Uh, so I invite you over this course of this week to read Matthew chapter 5 uh, in its entirety if you are able. Uh, but now let me just conclude by, uh, since I started with uh, Groundhog Day, let me just conclude with one final movie reference from Black Panther. Right, you, you remember, and it has some echoes of The Lion King, it has some echoes of, uh, of uh, Baby Six Sermon, that, that, that moment when T'Challa, the king-to-be, uh, was on the mountain standing on the mountain, getting his butt whooped, right? Beat down, hurt to the point of, of giving up. His mother, his mother. Thank God for grandmothers and aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents, a community, ancestors, living and dead who come to us as Queen Ramonda did, and when he thought he had lost it all, was ready to give up, she yelled out, remember who you are. Yeah. Remember who you are. The light bulb goes off in his mind. He remembers, he prevails on that mount, which is why we go to table. Right? Life isn't a movie with a quick and easy ending where all things get resolved. But we go to the place of table, which might be our mountain experience, where we do something, we practice something that allows us, right, in a world of forgetfulness, of a world full of amnesia, that we've got something to help us remember. And you should know that the Greek word at the core of that text, do this as often as you can in memory of me, the Greek word is anamnesis, 
the opposite of amnesia. So we go to this table to practice something that will help us to remember who we are. Bodies, sometimes broken and made whole in Christ. That we are bodies broken blood spilled and something happens in Christ that allows a new beginning so we come to table and we pray let us pray Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Union Church, please visit unionboston.org.